The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Dear Father, you are good to your people. You are holy and amazing, God, and you have saved and redeemed us. When King Jesus is your shepherd, you can guarantee him to come through. And this morning, we're going to see three ways in which the shepherd cares for his sheep in Psalm 23. Read with me in verse 1 again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Friends, he is personal. David understood what it meant to be a shepherd. If you remember the story of David, he began as a young shepherd boy tending to his father's flock. And we can imagine that this song David penned is one of personal understanding for David. He knows that the shepherd leads, guides, and cares personally for his flock. But friends, to sing verses 2 to 6 with David, we must first sing verse 1. Verse 1, you see, is the spring in which all the rest of the psalm flows from. We can't lie down in green pastures, drink from still waters, or have comfort in the darkest valleys if we don't first sing, the Lord is my shepherd. See, the Lord in English sounds so impersonal. The Lord in English is a title, not a name. But in the Hebrew, friends, it's Yahweh. The personal name that God gave for himself to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verse 14, God said to Moses, I am who I am. Yahweh, the great I am that Jesus claims and shows himself to be in the Gospels, this is him. This is the triune God, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The divine creator of all things. This is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The one true God who spoke all things into existence. It is he who called the light out of darkness and shines light into the hearts of men today. This is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of the living. The God who chose a people in Christ and made them into a holy nation for himself. The perfect and holy one who every man has sinned against. The God who saw us dead in our sins and without hope, but he had a plan from the beginning to save us. This is the Father who has bestowed his love on us, namely through Jesus Christ who took our place. The sovereign God who became man and died taking our punishment. The God who raised from the dead conquering sin in the grave. The Lord who has saved unworthy people and made them his family. The God who holds all things together and from him and through him and to him are all things. The king who will return in glory and might. The creator who, like in Hebrews chapter 1, will roll up all creation like an old garment, throw it away, and bring out a new one. The Almighty who sits on the throne of heaven and will reign forever. 
Praise and glory be to him, the only worthy king forever and ever. Amen? This is the great Yahweh that David sings of in verse 1. Friends, do you know him? Do you know him? I'm not asking if you know facts about him or if you know enough Bible trivia, know enough Bible verses to be able to label him, but do you know him? John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones put it this way, are you enjoying God? Is God the center of your life, the soul of your being, the source of your greatest joy? He is meant to be. He made man in such a way that that was to be the position that man might dwell in communion with God and enjoy God and walk with God. Family, do you know him? David in Psalm 23 poses a similar question in verse 1 that we must confront. Who is your shepherd? Jesus in John 10, 14 says, states, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Friends, for Jesus to be your shepherd, for Jesus to be your shepherd, it means you cannot be. It means, it means we must step off the throne of our hearts and give it to the God who made them. And deserves to be there. In our sin, we are like sheep who have wandered away and are in desperate need of a Savior who can save our souls. Who is your shepherd? David says, this great shepherd, he's mine. And you can sing that tune with David today. If you don't know Jesus this way, you don't know God intimately and he, as he has intended Seek and you shall find. Repent and believe in him and you will be saved. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, says Romans 1.16. Experience the power of God and sing with David, the Lord is my shepherd. And when you look upon Jesus When we look upon Jesus, we see the wrath of God satisfied by his death. No more sacrifice is necessary. The Savior of souls was successful, and his power and care are true. When we know Jesus in this manner, we can sing, I shall not want. For when we turn our eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Know Jesus, friends. He always cares for his sheep. Be his sheep. Know his voice. Run to him when he calls. We shall not want because Jesus always provides. How does he provide, you might ask? The second way the shepherd cares for his sheep is he always provides. Read with me in verses 2 to 5. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. In verses 2 and 3, we see some specific ways in which Jesus provides for his sheep in the day-to-day life. And that first provision is rest. David says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. We are goal-oriented creatures. We make goals, complete them, or if you're like me, you don't even complete them, and then you make new goals. But it puts us in this cycle of constant work. But God knew that we would have this issue of overworking ourselves, so he established the Sabbath in the Old Testament to practically provide rest for his people, but also to point them to the coming Messiah. This often frantic life has us running from one thing to the next, yet God desires our rest. The good shepherd provides rest for his sheep. Even God, after six days of creation, rested on the seventh. And if we don't follow this pattern, he can even force us to lie down. David wasn't offered rest in Psalm 23. He was made to rest in the green pastures. Sheep are not intelligent. They are incredibly dumb and fearful animals. And when they are scared or frightened, they do not lie down. And they cannot rest because they're too busy being horrified. This is like a small child that needs the parent to come to them to help them fall asleep. Only the ever-present shepherd can calm the sheep down enough to make them lie down. Does this sound familiar? What's keeping you up at night? What's holding you back from resting in Jesus? Brothers and sisters, can I remind you that he's in control? Philippians 4, 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the encouragement that Psalm 23 offers, us when we constantly feel weary and frightened, is that the shepherd is good. And he always provides for us. Talk to your shepherd. Commune with him. He is present and invites you to make your request known to him personally. Look to Jesus and find rest, not only in assurance for physical rest, but also spiritual. The second provision is food and water. He leads me beside still waters, David sings. The foolishness of the sheep doesn't stop in the grassy pastures. It, of course, continues to the waters. These waters need to be stilled because the rushing of the river or the creek would terrify them and they would not drink. So the shepherd had the privilege of strategically placing stones in a section of the water to give the sheep the refreshing drink they needed. The good shepherd's provision is not just a physical one, but also reaches the soul. The third provision is of the soul. David sings, he restores my soul. In verse 3, this reminds us of the good news of the gospel that God restores men's souls back to him. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The great news the shepherd brings is that he always provides for his sheep. Though sin has separated us, he can restore us back to him. We are no longer distant. Christ has become the mediator between God and man. We have access and can boldly approach the throne of grace to find mercy in the time of need. 
Our sin separated us entirely from God, and it was impossible for a man to fix it. But with Christ, even the impossible becomes possible. And that fourth provision we see is intentionality. David then sings that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. This literally means that God is leading David rightly for his glory. Jesus knows the right path for his sheep. Proverbs 16.9 says, The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. The good shepherd knows what direction you need to go. I love my wife to death. A lot of you just squirmed. <laughs> You're afraid of what I'm about to say. <laughs> One of my favorite things about my wife is that she is entirely directionally challenged. Today I am used to this, but when we were dating, this was regularly a hurdle. We could be driving in the car. She asked me, which way do I need to go? I said, go ahead and turn north on so-and-so. She said, right or left? Go ahead and turn right or left. Go ahead and turn right. Sheep are directionally challenged. So much so that they can get lost in a familiar place. And for some of this, that, that hits a little too close to home. But the shepherd is constantly redirecting the sheep back onto the right path. Friends, Jesus will not lead you wrong. Jesus isn't leading us wrong, even if it doesn't look right to us. Jesus led people to do things that would not make sense to us in America. When he called the 12 disciples, he called them away from careers, family, time, and security. He led them from a lavish retirement to death as a martyr. Do you trust the shepherd enough to follow his lead even if it doesn't make sense? If Jesus calls you away from comfort, or the things that you have known your entire life to follow him and serve him, would you go? Friends, that is exactly what Jesus calls us to do. What else is Jesus leading you to do? There could be many answers to that question, but one answer for all of us is to be a witness to the lost and dying world around us. Friend, who is Jesus leading you to share this good news with? Invite people to meet the good shepherd and tell them about the one God who cares and loves you. God's provision and care can lead us to places that we would never go on our own. Look at verse 4 with me again. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And the seemingly worst of times, God provides for his sheep by protecting them. As a shepherd would lead his flock from one area to another, sometimes it would involve going through deep, deep valleys. I feel that we should start with this reminder that even the valley of the shadow of death is still a path of righteousness. Even as the shadow of the darkest valley begins to surround us, we must remember that the Lord is still in control. David's confidence and strength was not found in his circumstances. It was not even found in his abilities. His confidence was found solely in the Lord. And the fact that the mighty Yahweh was his shepherd. 
Do you notice the tense change in verse 4? David no longer refers to God as he in the third person, but he sings, you are with me in the second person. It appears that when the darkness of the valley begins to surround David, he looks even closer to the Lord and remembers that he is the great shepherd, the great protector. No longer is David singing to those around him. He is now crying out to his God directly. The darkness of the valley should push us closer to our shepherd and teach us to have a greater confidence in him. Nahum 1, 5 through 7 says, The mountains quake before him, the hills melt, the earth heaves before him, the world and all who dwell in it. Who can stand before his indignation? Who can endure the heat of his anger? His wrath is poured out like fire, and the rocks are broken into pieces by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. Friends, when the valleys of this world begin to overwhelm us, we shouldn't fear. We should look to our Savior and the shepherd of our souls. The mountains quake and melt before him. There is none like him, and nothing can compete with him. In John 10, Jesus spoke of protecting his sheep. Starting in verse 12, he says, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me just as the Father knows me. And I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus is no hired hand to tend for the flock. He owns and loves his flock. When he sees the danger coming, he does not run and hide. Friends, he destroys. He protects, he conquers, he defeats. And friends, this is exactly what he did on the cross. When the danger of sin and death were over us, he did what was necessary to save and protect us. Hard times, as difficult as they may be, God uses to refine and strengthen our faith. May I remind you of Romans 8, 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Or 1 Peter 1, 6-7. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. In the darkest valley, during the hardest times, when nothing makes sense, when your heart hurts and you are full of grief, cry out with David, for you are with me. Friends, I felt those times. I was 20 years old when my mother passed at 41. And it's by the grace of God that I'm preaching to you today. The only thing that kept me going during those times was my loving shepherd caring for me. But I don't want you to think that I'm saying it's easy. I'm not. But even when the world comes crashing around us and grief fills our soul, our Redeemer lives. The cross was victorious and Christ will come again. When those times come, where does your strength come from? Where are you tempted to look other than Christ? Psalm 121 verses 1 and 2 say, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? 
My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. There is nowhere else worth looking to, friends. Christ is the only way. Christ is the only hope. The shepherd uses two tools in verse 4. The rod is to protect the sheep from predators, but the staff is to protect us from ourselves. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And this staff the shepherd uses is used to redirect the flock and keep the flock close to him. The anti-wandering tool, if you will, brought comfort to David in the midst of the valley. Knowing God's commitment to keeping us near should bring us comfort as we are prone to wander and are tempted by our own desires. Jesus' commitment to the one lost sheep, even though he has 99 others, should bring us great joy. The Lord is faithful and good to his people. He provides us with protection. And in verse 5, we see that he provides abundantly regardless of circumstances. Read verse 5 again. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. His provision is abundant. David paints this picture of being surrounded by enemies ready to harm him, yet the Lord is with him always. Danger at every turn, but the Lord provides every need. With the Lord as David's shepherd, David would lack nothing. Notice this isn't a quick meal before heading back to war. No, this is a deliberate table preparation like a host would prepare for an honored guest. And as the great host, the Lord even anoints David's head with oil and his cup is overflowing. This is a picture of the celebration meal, the marriage supper of the lamb promised to the church when Christ returns for his bride. When the Lord takes you in and you are always taken care of regardless of the audience. Being the people of God, there will be enemies. Why? Our God has enemies. But the good news of the gospel, friends, is that even the enemies of God were those whom he died for. Romans 5.10 says, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. The good thing, he died for his enemies, friends, because that used to be us. David ends Psalm 23 with a promise. In the third way, the great shepherd cares for his sheep. He fulfills promises. Look at verse 6 with me. Again, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When the Lord is your shepherd, you are taken care of for eternity. David sings, surely goodness and mercy. This is not a guess. This is not a bet. This is a hard and fast guarantee. David knows that goodness and mercy will follow him for all his days. And this word follow literally means pursue, like when Pharaoh pursued Moses and the Israelites, or when the Israelites pursued the Midianites. This pursuit is echoed in the New Testament. In Romans 5.20, it states, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Grace and mercy are in active pursuit of God's sheep. Now, do not be confused, friends. Grace actively pursuing us does not enable us to sin freely. Instead, it enables us to be obedient. 
this pursuit of God's grace towards us puts us in pursuit of God himself. David realizes that he is a sinful man and that he needs God's grace to pursue him all the days of his life. Because without it, he's unable to be with God forever. God's grace and mercy is necessary for us because we are all guilty of sinning against him. God's grace gives us what we don't deserve and his mercy withholds that which we deserve. This means the righteousness, the love, and the adoption as a child of God comes to us and the wrath of God passes over us. And this is all because of the mighty work of Jesus who took our place. Holy is he, amazing is he, how great is his love that he would die for a wretch like me. To dwell in the house of Yahweh forever is how David brings this song full circle. After this life, David holds on to the promise that he will return home to his shepherd's house for all time to come. And friends, this is what we all get to look forward to when we have Jesus as our shepherd. Philippians 3, 20 through 21 says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Brothers and sisters, Christ's return is approaching, and the grand climax in which all history has been moving towards will come. This is for certain. And if you believe in Jesus with your heart, and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, you will certainly be with him forever, just as David sings in Psalm 23. The eternal God saves his people eternally. But friend, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know this Jesus that Psalm 23 speaks of, if you're following your own self and relying on your own strength, these promises aren't for you. Your sin is keeping you from enjoying and partaking in these promises that Jesus has to offer. Repent and believe in him. And regardless of your circumstances, you can count on Jesus. The good shepherd always takes care of his sheep. Today, if you call yourself a part of the flock of God, if Jesus is your shepherd, friend, be encouraged. The Lord is personal. He is available and with you today. He provides in many different ways and does not leave his sheep in need. Brothers and sisters, look forward to what is to come, for the good shepherd always fulfills his promises. Follow Jesus as he leads, for he is the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Let's pray.